You're a swimmer, a cyclist, a runner. You're a triathlete. You're a conqueror of the multi-sport mentality. You seek greatness in your everyday life. But as an age grouper, your forte is the physical fitness that you strive for. Endurance is your middle name. You're listening to the Age Grouper for Life podcast, the ultimate source for living the triathlon lifestyle. Colin and Elliot will discuss the most optimal training techniques to get you where you want to be mentally and physically so you're ready to bring it. You can do it. Ready to bring it? Welcoming your host, Peak Triathlon and USAT certified coaches, Colin Cook and Elliot Kawaoka. What's up, everybody? This is Colin with... Hey, guys, it's Elliot. This is episode number 42, where we're doing an Ironman Florida race report. We stayed at a uh, Airbnb about a mile and a half from the transition area, and uh, that worked out pretty well there. But uh, um, another fun uh, pre-race uh, challenge that Elliot's going to love to hear here is... Uh, uh, actually, I, I got in Atlanta that the Thursday morning, like I still hadn't opened up my bike box or anything like that, hadn't looked through my stuff, and it just came to me. And I said, holy crap, I forgot my helmet. <laughs> so I, so yeah, uh, you got a new helmet. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it gets, gets funner here, actually. So okay. I say, oh, crap. All right. So, you know, I start exploring options of what I could do to get one down there. And, um, so I, um, I was thinking about, you know, all right, maybe I can get one at the expo. Um, you know, is there any local bike shops around? I did see one semi-legitimate, um, bike shop that was like 45 minutes away. I, I did try calling them and they said, no, we don't have any aero helmets. Um, so the first thing we did actually, before we even went to the um, Airbnb as we went to the expo and, uh, they did, we'll talk specifically about the protocols and everything with COVID, but, um, I had been scheduled to check in, I think at four o'clock that afternoon, they, you know, you can't just show up whenever you want. You're supposed to schedule when you come in. And they did say, you know, you had to go through basically the whole check-in process or you couldn't just kind of bypass that and get into the expo. Um, so I ended up checking in earlier, which was nice. Um, but, uh, I did go to the, um, the, the tri shop they had there and they didn't have any hero helmets either. So, um, I did also throw a quick, um, reach out to my teammates at Everyman Jack. There was, uh, three other guys racing and, um, Clay MG is, is a pro and, uh, he actually, uh, got back to me and said, Oh, I have a friend that's coming in tomorrow. He can bring you. Um, an LG helmet, which is kind of similar to mine and um, would have worked great. So I was like, awesome. All right, this will work. So I actually did buy a $40 helmet just to be able to ride Thursday, um, thinking that would just be the one time I use it. <laughs> and uh, um, a couple hours later, Clay messaged me back and he said, I'm so sorry, man, but uh, <laughs> I actually still don't remember exact details, but something happened with, with COVID related. So his friend was no longer coming. So this is now Thursday at like two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so panic mode definitely <laughs> set in there a little bit. And uh, I ended up um, having my uh, parents actually came or my dad came to my house uh, at home and uh, he got my helmet and he overnighted it to me. Oh my gosh. UPS. So uh, it was a 180 bucks to ship my helmet overnight to me and uh it didn't come till about i think six or seven p.m friday night before <laughs> the race so um so yeah that was a nice little bonehead monkey wrench uh that uh, i threw at myself and uh i did i i did uh i have a new bike box that is special for my bike or not special for my bike but i needed to get a new bike box in order to fit my new bike and uh i didn't really start packing until tuesday uh night and um, 
I don't know. I thought uh, I had everything. I kept things laid out and somehow I missed that, which is. I'm going to have to give you. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. How many, how many Ironmans have you done? <laughs> yeah, that was number 17. Uh, well, it wasn't as bad as the time you rolled over your helmet. Uh, that had to come up. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I guess I'd say I give myself more credit for it. at least I ran it over. It was like with me this time. I think it was worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was some some mental stress for sure. Um, well, I mean, yeah. you've done enough of these where you know if everything goes smoothly, then something's not right. This is true for me. That's that's <laughs> definitely the case. Yeah, too much going on these days where I know I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna screw something up here. You know, so um maybe that'll be a future goal here um but uh <laughs> so um other than that um we had a good time um you know was able to rest a decent amount actually went out to to breakfast with uh Steve Jackson uh, one of my teammates who's a incredible athlete that uh has done extremely well went sub 9 in Kona and uh um is somebody I really respect and uh, hadn't met him before so we Ironically, just uh, ended up at the same breakfast place, so we hung out with him for a bit, and then uh, I actually made a 45-minute uh, drive um, to uh, Destin, Florida, to go to uh, it's called Float Brothers, um, another uh, float studio, and uh, I floated uh, the day before the race, and uh, I guess I mentioned that just to show you how much I value floating and, and how beneficial it can for, to get you in the right mental state and just to, to relax you. Um, sadly, there was actually a place in Panama city that closed down like a month ago due to COVID and the challenges with business. It's certainly something I'm living as well here. So that was sad to see, but, um, um, just love floating. And, uh, it was, uh, really nice. And I'm really glad that I, I made that trip to, uh, to do that and float. And, um, after that was able to go back and, and relax a decent amount. And, uh, the evening before was, uh, was pretty relaxing and, uh, I'm, I'm really good at spreading my stuff all over the place and taking advantage of whatever space I, I have available <laughs> to me. Um, but, uh, it was, uh, it was really amazing. And I made this joke a few times that, uh, it was so nice to be able to just put stuff on the floor and not worry about it walking off somewhere cause kids grabbing it. And, uh, not knowing where it is two minutes later. Um, so I think, uh, that was an, a nice, uh, uh, you know, certainly missed the family and I was gone, but it was, it was relaxing and, um, not having the, the kids around did, did de-stress, uh, the scenario here as, uh, was getting ready to, to go. <laughs> um, but I did actually, that's right. That morning, um, the morning before the race, I did pop in the water for a little bit and, uh, and do a little test swim just to get a feel for uh i was actually more interested with how the water was kind of going in and out of the water which is something i'll talk about with the race here a bit and um you know bike was pretty dialed in and uh um got all shaved up thursday night uh and uh was uh feeling feeling pretty good and uh definitely excited to tackle the day yeah so i mean how how did training go for this i mean i kind of Right. followed your lead up to this and it seemed like you did some fairly long rides a lot of trainer rides um you definitely got a lot of pool time in too i did yeah so overall i felt i felt good about my my training um the only thing that uh i was concerned about is i did you know probably what 95 percent of my training indoors um and um even with the um the wahoo kicker and then i have the, the kicker e-flex that gives some kind of flexion i really still don't really like and it seems to bother my hip quite a bit when i'm in the aero position so any of the indoor riding i did was on my road bike upright um so i did get some long rides in i did that's right we uh i don't think we talked about it. i did do a, a half everest um which uh we should give you some more kudos for doing the full thing here isn't that um, awful? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it just took, I mean, you would have, you would have beat me by at least two hours. Like and it's I, not I, even, it's not really even the, you, you just look at like the total time you're going to be on the bike. And then right. after a while you're like, this is not even worth it. <laughs> well, 
uh, it's not out of the uh, you know the realm of possibility for me here at some point here. But uh, kudos to you, man. That's, well, you uh, had an actual uh, race to train for. I just kind of was like, <laughs> yeah. I'll just bury myself today for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I did do one hundred mile ride, and I think I got a seventy five miler in um, outside, and you know, in the arrow position. But that was unfortunately the only time really I spent on the TT bike and in the TT position, which, um, I would not uh, necessarily recommend and was what was ideal for me, you know, spending some more time in the arrow position would have been good. I am actually recognizing that, um, you know, you, if you have access to a road bike and especially for me with the torn labrum and, and hip issues, um, being upright more, I think is better for me. Um, but you, if you're going to be spending, you know, um, a long time and riding 112 miles in the TT position, you need to spend some time in that for sure. So, um, so I was a little bit, uh, dicey on that. Um, and, um, but, but other than that, yeah, I've, I've been swimming really well. I think I was getting, uh, three, uh, three swims in pretty consistently for the first, for the probably six, six plus weeks out from the race. And, uh, my, my swims actually were feeling good in the, in the pool and, uh, was feeling pretty confident there, but, um, hadn't open watered since, I don't think since the end of September when my last race was. Yeah. Um, and it's gotta so, be hard. I mean, where yeah. we live in the country, it's just, it's hard to train for the November races because after a while it's pretty tough to train outside because it gets pretty cold. It outside. gets cold, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even the week before the race, I really wanted to get out on the um, outside, but it was, you know, low, or high 30s, low 40s, and I was like, no, nope, I'm not doing it, <laughs> so I uh, decided to stay inside, but uh, with that, my run actually has been probably the feeling the best it's ever done, has ever felt, um, like I just been running some really good paces at really low heart rates for me, and uh, was kind of a few times just amazed that uh my heart rate was just staying nice and steady and, uh, was pushing some good paces, um, without it affecting. So I was feeling really confident with my run. And um, I mean, what do you, what do you attribute that to? Because I know, I mean, at the beginning of this pandemic, you were, you did the, a marathon with, I mean, it wasn't really a race, but you did it with some friends and you kind of took it as like a kind of a practice race mode type. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. So I ended up doing two, right? Yeah. So I did, uh, one. I mean, that's something you really haven't ever done before. So you kind of no. started, started training for Florida with a really good run base. And I think yes. the speed that's, even got uh, faster. That's definitely notable for sure. I mean, that was <laughs> in, uh, April and early May or the last week of April was the second marathon. Um, and I did tone it back and it ended up with a little bit of a, a knee injury, I think caused from that. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, you know, I did have some really solid, uh, run miles, uh, early on in the season. Um, but then I also, you know, I took it, um, I, I kept, you know, consistently training, but, uh, after that six gaps ride, um, you know, I really, I didn't ride long again for a while. And, uh, my training was, uh, on the lower side volume wise, which, you know, I think contributes with all the other things that I have going on. Um, you know, keeping that balance is super important. And for somebody like me, it's just not worth it to go crazy with the volume and, you know, affect sleep and challenges around that always goes back to what I always say, you know, stress is stress. Doesn't matter which form it's coming in and you got to respect that in, in your training. So yeah. Um, but I mean, you, you've always been busy and I think it's really helped you that and you really haven't had to travel that much this year. And uh, even time. though you've been really busy with the center and your family and everything, I mean, at least you have the stability of like, okay, you're not switching time zones all the time. You're not sitting on a plane for long periods of time. So I think that's, I mean, yeah. that's probably helped too. Yeah, that was, you know, I think I just went seven or eight months without flying and, uh, you know, it's been five plus years since, uh, I haven't flown, you know, usually at least once every other week or at least a few times a month. So, uh, that is definitely a huge benefit and just being home and being with my family more has been, been really good. So, um, there was definitely a, a lot of positives and, uh, um, you know, it was interesting. We talked about this last, but, uh, last time I think, but you know, my original plan was I, I didn't think that Ironman Florida was going to happen. Um, so when I did the Sunapee try, 
I was kind of a week or two before that was kind of expecting that would be my last race of the year and um, wasn't really getting fully into Ironman mode. And then uh, Ironman sent that email saying, hey, it looks like, you know, they changed the transition area and uh, it really seemed like they're going to make it happen. So it was like, all right, I guess it's game on. It's time to really get focused on it. So, um, you know, I think that that was, was good in a way where I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't stressed about it for a long time and um, worrying about it. And, uh, but then I knew it was time to get going and um, did really get dialed in and focused on training um, when I knew uh, there was a real shot of it happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's helped. I mean, you didn't really start from zero. You had a really good base. Right. Um, starting the build. So, I mean, I think the people that have, trained throughout this entire period and really haven't I mean you don't have to go like crazy or anything but just keeping a good base and just staying fit for when races resume I mean I think that's it's really going to pay off when things start to happen again exactly right yeah and so yeah let's let's jump into to race day I'll talk a little bit about COVID logistics here first so as I mentioned, or anytime you were on site for the Ironman, you had to have a mask on. Um, you had, they had this huge snake set up that you had to weave through to get even into registration. Um, and, you know, they had social distancing marks or six feet everywhere. Um, you know, you had to get your temperature checked. You had to, you know, confirm you hadn't, uh, uh, you know, been in, uh, contact with anybody you know the standard kind of questions I guess I'm sure most people have seen these days um, to to make sure that everybody's healthy and um, you know they didn't do any athlete briefings in person that was remote um, they really tried to minimize and like we said scheduling when you could get there to even to register but then bike check-in was all scheduled so they they really did a phenomenal job of doing everything that they can to keep everybody out, you know, or everybody safe and distanced and, and spreading things out the best they could. And uh, so I give Ironman a, a bunch of credit for the way they handled that. And, um, you know, uh, we'll talk a little bit about spectators. You know, they were very upfront uh, about uh, no expect, no spectators were allowed. Um, not exactly the way it panned out, uh, but um you know, I think that, uh, again, I can't give them enough credit for, for how they did things. And um, actually, I will say in the transition area, um, the bikes were a little bit closer than I expected them to be. Um, you know, they did have, I think it was, I think it was only, uh, shoot, what did I look at? Um, was it 15, 12 or somewhere between 12 and 1500 um, finishers uh, or, or competitors? I guess that's in 1140 on the uh, official app there finishers between the, between the two distances but the two the two distances i mean um let's see here um yeah they only had 332 for the half wow okay oh. it seemed like that was more but they had they had the transition areas set up separately they were kind of in technically the same parking lot but they were split up into two they actually didn't have the 70.3 race didn't start till 11 a.m which was pretty wild um so um, you know, that was really good, but, uh, even in transition in the morning, you know, you had to have your mask on and you literally had your, your mask on, or they, they actually, they kept everybody at their transition area. Um, they let the pros go off, um, uh, both the male and female. And then they said, all right, anybody, you know, under an hour swimmer, um, then, you know, you, now you can leave your transition area, your spot and, and come down to the to the water they actually met us at transition and then we walked down together and um and so you know but they had us spread out and then we got down to the beach it was kind of similar to something they did at, at the sunapi try where but this in this case they literally had lanes with um you know barriers uh on each side for each lane to to spread everybody out and um then they as we started so i ended up being uh they were they were doing um, sets of three people every 15 seconds. So I was in the second group. So I was one of the first six competitors to go off, which was nice. Um, and, uh, but you, you kept your mask on until basically two seconds before they said go. And then you threw it in the trash right there and you were in the water and, you know, off you went to race normally, you know, quote unquote from that point. But, uh, until then everybody had a mask on, um, which was, uh, I think the right thing to do. 
So it seemed pretty safe. I mean, they really thought about it and they really did. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you know, uh, um, was excited to, to get going and, um, I did have, so actually, uh, uh, Brian Dunn, who we both know, uh, is a longtime successful triathlete and friend. And, uh, he had turned me on or kind of motivated me to, uh, are you familiar with the form goggles? Yeah. Elliot? Yep. Yeah. So I've had some and I really hadn't been using them that much, but, uh, he was saying how much he'd enjoyed them. And, uh, and I had tested them out a little bit, um, but I hadn't done much with the open water function because I wasn't open water swimming. Um, but I, that was part of the reason I just wanted to swim the day before as I wanted to test to make sure that was good. So I thought I had them all dialed in and, uh, you know, they were connected the, and so sorry for people that don't know the form goggles, they are swim goggles, but they have a little, um, visual, I guess I'll say that goes up in one of your eyes that can show you, you know, your time, what your pace maybe is, or your stroke count. Like you can switch between different things or metrics that you'd like to see you know, in real time as you're actually swimming. And so my plan was to have, you know, my pace and uh, I was actually most concerned about stroke count. And then the time is pretty much always up there. So uh, my goggles were connected to my watch. And, and actually one quick caveat on that is you do have to have either a 945 um, or a 745 in order for that to work. And uh, um, so the 935s, which is the watch I used to have, um, was not working. And, uh, I did actually upgrade recently to the 745, not the 945, um, so that I could have that functionality. Um, but, <laughs> about 15 seconds into my swim, I get a note up there in the thing that says, uh, watch disconnected and, <laughs> uh, it didn't connect for the entire swim. So. Uh, but I still, and I don't know if it was good or bad, but, uh, I could see my, my swim time the, the whole way through the swim, which, um, you know, my almost joked earlier here, as I went in the under an hour, uh, swim line, uh, apparently I didn't deserve to be there because, uh, <laughs> I'm wise. You were one of those people. Colin. I was definitely one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, with, or wait, what was my time here? 104. Yeah, 104, um, which is, yeah, 104.43, like almost 105. You swim um, faster in Hawaii. Yeah, I swam like three minutes faster in Hawaii <laughs> without a wetsuit. And this, that's right. This is a wetsuit legal swim. Um, so I don't know. How was the chop? I mean, was there currents? It was, it was choppy. I mean, it did sound like uh, most people were three to four minutes slower than um, than they were. Even the pros were, you know, a couple minutes behind. Um but, uh, yeah. And you so know what? I, I think, uh, I think the whole 15 seconds apart thing, I mean that, well, I mean, that, a uh, lot of times I like to line up. I don't like being in the very front, but I like to be like, I don't know, five rows back so I can yeah. get that draft. And I, I mean, right. I think if you're leaving 15 seconds apart I mean, you don't, you're just swimming by yourself. So it's I that's hard. Yep. No. So there was, well, the first lap. So it is a two loop swim. It was uh, a very uh, isolated swim, and uh, you know I saw some people, and uh, there was a couple times I tried to get on some feet, but uh, I essentially swam the entire first lap uh, solo. Um, so, or it looks like my split was thirty-one thirty-six for uh, the first first half, um, which the mats were right there, so I can see why the second lap actually should be slower than the first one because you have to run down the beach and stuff. And that's counted as part of the second lap. Um, but, uh, but yeah, then the second lap, um, you had a lot of first lappers in there and I got congested with quite a few people. And, uh, there was a few times, yeah, I kind of had to like stop or like totally turn directions. And, uh, yeah, so I, it, it was a tough swim. I mean, you didn't was, get, you didn't have was, yeah. packs to swim with. Right. No, no, no packs. And, um, you know, it was nice where it was just kind of a rectangle swim where you pace, you know, straight out, went kind of around this pier and then right back in. But uh, a lot of, you know, getting tangled up with breaststrokers and um, uh, it was it was challenging on that second lap, got a little frustrating. And and again, knowing what my time was uh, and and that didn't help me. I'll say that. I mean, I, I knew uh, and certainly 
uh, even coming out of the water, seeing that 104 or something, you know, wasn't where I wanted to be. But I mean, uh, yeah. And what are your thoughts? I mean, I know Brian told you to wear those goggles, but I mean, even if your watch read, oh, you're going 135 pace. I mean, are you going to like, I mean, a lot of times I know like, okay, I'm swimming slow or I mean, you just yeah, kind of you know, have I that actually, innate feeling of like, all right, like I know it's hard to just like pick up your swim yeah. pace. Well, I, I, I felt really, maybe I didn't swim hard enough. I actually felt like pretty relaxed. Um, like I, I definitely wasn't killing myself in yeah. the, in the swim, um, where maybe I should have given it a little bit more. Um, but, uh, there was almost never really any times where I was like, Oh man, I'm, I'm really pushing here, which like in Tremblant when I swam 58, I was, you know, feeling like, damn, I'm, I'm pushing here. Uh, but I mean, if you think about it, like, all right, if you got five seconds faster per hundred because of the draft. I mean, that puts you sub right. right. So, I mean, it's deceiving to see the slow sometimes because I think a lot of people just didn't get to swim together this time. Right. Yeah. No, it's definitely a valid point, you know? So, so I came out of the water and was like, all right, well, you know, I, I know I got to crush this bike. (laughs) And, uh, um, you know, I knew that, uh, I had to be, Around 450 is is really what I was thinking. I, I need to at least be under 450 to have a legit shot um, at, at sub nine, which I guess, geez, we haven't mentioned the interview. I mean, that really, my goal going to going into this race really, you know, and it's it's definitely dicey where, you know, that those swim conditions could have thrown me off and, you know, what caused me not to go under nine hours, you know, or the winds could have been crazy. Um, time goals can be really challenging, but, uh, I've been kind of chasing going sub nine for a couple of years now. And, uh, I came down really to race and to, that was my, my only goal for, uh, this race. I really didn't care about placement. I just wanted to, uh, to go sub nine. So, um, you know, that those numbers were playing in my mind, uh, most of the day, you know, and, uh, was thinking about those kind of things leading up to the race. So, um, but with that, you know, I also did kind of have a plan where I didn't want to overbike the first half. Um, you know, I've 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 had a little bit of challenger, sometimes been disappointed where I've really started to fade in the the second half of bike, and um, you know, I just didn't want to um, have challenger on that. So I I started off um, a little bit conservative. Um, I think actually my overall wattage was lower than even Tremblant last year, um, but uh, but I found myself around others within the first five, six miles and uh, was definitely able to, uh, to pace off some other guys um, and, and go back and forth a little bit um, and, and still keep my, my numbers in, in pretty control and um, was essentially really focused on my heart rate. Like, actually, I should look. I yeah, that's really low. I'm looking at your file right now. Yeah, my average heart rate was 147. There it says it was one. My max was 166. I don't know when that was. It must have been right when I was getting on the bike. Yeah. Um. But uh, I. I mean, but that's I don't, super low for you. I mean, that's like yeah. what low zone two. That's low zone two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I don't remember seeing the 160s. Um. I think it was like I saw like 158 one time after we had like a punchy climb that I did, um, push a little bit up, but um. But yeah, and then the the first half, um, or the, especially the first quarter, was mostly a headwind. Um, so the splits were pretty slow. So it was, um, you know, definitely questioning things a little bit of like, oh boy, am I, you know, going to be able to do this, um, you know, time wise. Um, but uh, still, just really focused on staying with myself and uh, um, just just keeping my head down. You know, keeping it with it being so flat. You know, you got to stay in that arrow position and. Um, just kind of gave, uh, gave what I could in, in that control. Uh, I do have my bike computer set up to, uh, to focus on your or display my lap power for every five miles. And then, you know, you get the split every five miles. So, um, that's really what I was focusing on is I had, you know, 22 plus five minute mile segments that I was focused on being really wanted to be around, uh, 245 to 250, um, for average power on, um, was what I was thinking and, and wanted to kind of even split that. So, um, I was, uh, very happy with that. Um, you know, so once that, that first third or so of the race went through, um, 
there was there was a few interesting kind of out and backs and and turns, but uh, you got in the stretch where you got to just crank. And um, I did actually let my power drop down um, a bit a bit where I think some of my lowers were like 240, so really not that much lower. But I definitely went a little bit easier, but was still averaging like 26 and 27 miles an hour for um, a, a good portion of that stretch there. And then you take the turn. Yeah. So I think looking at the map here, I think it was like mile, let's call it 42 to like 65 or so, or I guess a little bit 60 that, uh, was super fast. And then you did another out and back where you had a nice little headwind on the way out. And then you just bomb back into town where you were flying from, let's see, like mile 70 all the way to about mile 100. Um, so, and then it was, it was all good. There was actually, I'll give a shout out, uh, to, um, uh, the, 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 Nick, Nick Langer is uh, a guy that I'm riding a decent amount with. We were going back and forth quite a bit. Um, he seemed to be pacing pretty well. And, uh, um, we were, we were pretty even on that and just, just taking turns going back and forth and, uh, keeping each other in check. So I rode with him a good amount, uh, I think once we hit that mile 70 or a little bit past that, I ended up kind of taking off from him. Um, but I will mention, uh, <laughs> I had a little run in with a professional female that, uh, <laughs> some, uh, profanities were shared. Uh, I had, had passed her on that fast first fast stretch and, uh, I thought I was keeping my power pretty even, but, uh, apparently she didn't like that. I, pulled up in front of her and then uh didn't like accelerate way past her and she started swearing at me and telling me you know you're gonna pass blah, 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 f this and and go go get out in front and uh let's just say i didn't uh appreciate that and uh didn't really hold back from giving it back to her especially when two seconds later she passed me and uh, i don't know how much i dropped back on her but uh, she just completely almost like stopped in front of me and i had to dropped back to get out of zone and then passed her and um, was pretty frustrated with how she treated the situation. So how, uh, how far in it or um, how much earlier did they start compared to you? Uh, they were, uh, let's see, seven minutes or okay. seven or eight minutes before us. So they weren't that far back. No, no. Yeah. I think, yeah. So eight minutes uh, pros, pros went off at the, it was an early start, 545, for the pros, five uh, females, five fifty-two for the females, and then we went off uh, at uh, six. So, um, so yeah, no. So she really wasn't that far. You know, I wasn't that much far ahead of her, arguably. But the other funny thing is, eventually she caught me, and uh, literally for thirty plus miles, she just sat. Um, I'd say close to within the range, but she was. Uh, pretty close at times, but never passed me. She just sat back there, um, for a very long time. We gave her a free ride. Yeah. And, uh, so that was a little, a little annoying. Um, it did get a little strange when we got back into town, like the course was all, there wasn't too many turns, but, uh, they definitely did some creative add-ons towards the end where you had to, uh, like at one point, we went on this like almost kind of rail trail, like it was pretty wide. So it worked out all right. But if there wasn't a volunteer there, like even with the volunteer, I like looked back was like, is this really right? And, um, and then they had us like literally weave around the outside of like a part uh, of a, not a mall, but a shopping center. Like we went behind a shopping center, like just <laughs> adding on distance, I think. Um, but then, then we got back on to, um, the the main road where the ocean is and uh it was a really strong headwind for the last five miles so uh the pace definitely slowed down and uh they made you earn it but uh um kudos to them it was definitely a, a legit course you know uh swim distance i i know i had what i have like 43 plus 100 and then the bike i had like one 111.9 or something like that so um it was pretty pretty spot on with the distances and the run was was right on as well. So, um, so yeah, so came into transition. Um, well, one, one question. So how was the oh, officiating yeah. on the bike? Oh yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So, um, there was, uh, it was good. Um, I did see, it seemed like definitely early on, there was a lot more, um, 
uh, notice of the officials being out there and uh, marshalling going on. Um, I don't know if they, I saw them give any penalties. There was, um, there was one group ahead of me that I caught at like mile probably 20 or 25 that I was like, geez, somebody's got to break those guys up. And the marshal did sit there for a while, kind of watching them up ahead of me a bit. Um, again, I'm not sure if anybody got penalized, but I saw them a, a decent amount in like the first half. And then, um, I think it was coming home on that longer, fast stretch at the end, like somewhere between miles 70 and 90 that, uh, they did come up and definitely slowed down a little bit, uh, as that pro female that was behind me, um, was pretty close and she seemed to have dropped back a little bit and they kind of monitored us for a minute, but then they took off. But, uh, um, but I, I'd say overall, I was pretty pleased with, with seeing the marshalling. I would have been nice to have seen a little bit more, um, on the second half of the, the bike, but, uh, I think they, they did a reasonable job. Good. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I ended up, um, that's right. Let's look at some numbers real quick. So official bike split was four forty two thirty three. Um, so my average power was, um, what 245 and my normalized was um 249 so uh so very super index. steady yeah like very good point yeah point. one 1.02 yeah. yeah so uh you know was uh was happy with that i think i kept it consistent and was was really happy with um you know that last 20 to 30 miles i i really stayed pretty disciplined and um, was able to keep my power up and um, was, was happy with my bike split and how things turned out there. Um, as I did get off the bike, uh, first few steps were a little wobbly and uh, I was kind of, Ooh, all right. Um, I definitely felt a little better coming off the bike in Tremblant uh, last year, but um, yeah, they, they came around pretty quickly there. So, you know, I, I had kind of, thought yeah that I was um I was actually thinking maybe it was it was off a little bit I thought I had like 310 or so um that I could run and still be under sub 9 um so I was feeling feeling pretty confident um as uh as I headed out onto the run um so as I got out there though actually within the first mile my stomach wasn't feeling great and I think part of the problem was um I did kind of pee a couple times in the bike but i really didn't get a ton out so i think uh, i had a lot sitting in me um and so i did stop actually in the first mile and uh fully relieve myself um and uh, i think that was a really smart move because i felt uh, a lot better and that kind of took away all my um any kind of issue in my stomach as uh headed out on the to the run there so um so yeah that uh 649 first mile does does include a p stop so um but uh there was a uh a, the the wind shifted quite a bit it was kind of interesting with the run because it's a two loop out and back style run but uh i don't know if it's just the way of the winds with the the ocean and everything but uh it's mostly a headwind on the way out but there was definitely some points where it shifted to you know tailwind and then vice versa on the way back um but the winds were were prevalent uh out there on the run and, um, temperature wise, you know, it, it wasn't, it was, um, I think it was in the high seventies, low eighties. Um, so it was warm, but not really super warm. And, uh, it was, it was good running weather. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's all right on the coast. So it's all wide open exposed. And, um, you know, to me, it was just keeping myself really in check there. And, um, you know, what I've kind of started doing these days, especially when I'm kind of thinking about running around three hours or so is, is I like to break the race up into uh, three, nine mile segments with the last one being a little short because it feels the hardest. <laughs> um, so for the first nine miles, basically, you know, I'm thinking about running that in about an hour. And, um, so roughly three miles every 20 minutes. And, um, so I was just kind of dialing in, but, but keeping an eye on my heart rate where, uh, you know, I was really, for me, again, um, for the first, looking at my data here, first 12 miles, you know, my heart rate uh, was technically got up to 157, but 156. Gosh, so low, That's so that, low for you. That is really low for me. So, you know, I really 
just didn't want to blow up and uh, just uh, keeping myself in uh, in check. So um, felt uh, felt good, you know. Kept smiling, thanking volunteers. You know, I mean, that's one thing. You know, big fan of. But like, even at on the bike, every turn or any place I saw, you know, a police officer or anything like that said thank you and uh, kept smiling on the run and thanking everybody and, uh, you know, just kept remembering how fortunate it was to race um, and, and appreciating the opportunity here and, and wouldn't be possible without them. So uh, let's remember uh, to keep doing that as we, we uh, all get back to racing here, hopefully. Um, but one thing that was definitely notable on the, the run is, um, the aid stations. So, oh yeah, sorry. We should talk quickly about the aid stations on the bike. So those, those were totally normal. Nothing changed, you know, still tons of volunteers, you know, all the water Gatorade, everything available. Um, and they were out there and you could fly by and grab those, you know, they were handing them to you as you go. So, um, the bike really was not affected at all by COVID. And, um, so there's really nothing to, um, you know, anybody could complain about when it comes to, to that there, um, on the run, on the other hand, you know, they didn't, they weren't allowing the volunteers to hand you the water. So you had to stop at, um, they had them up, just set up on tables. And so you had to kind of stop. And what was strange and what I didn't really expect is, um, they, they only had aid stations every two miles which was, um, uh, towards the end of the race, I think definitely had a negative impact on me. Um, and then the other thing was they had them like on the side of the road where at least the first two, um, you literally had to run in the sand or in like the grass, um, to be able to like go over to the side to get to the, I mean, cause it was an out and back. So they had, you know, the people heading out, um, getting the aid station on one side and then the, uh, people coming back, getting it on the other side. Um, so it was, um, just definitely slowed you down a little bit to obviously have to stop kind of to, to grab your, your water or whatever you're getting. Um, but going in the sand and in the grass is something I just didn't really like and was kind of worried about rolling an ankle or something like that. Um, each time I was going through theirs. Um, but, um, other than that, it was really just, uh, just moving and grooving, just, just focusing on my cadence, staying in my groove and, uh, not letting that, uh, that pace really, you know, get too affected and, and, you know, trying to stay just as steady as possible. Um, you know, I, I really didn't care what other people were doing. I did for the first lap, I'll say, um, as I did, uh, head back, um, or get to the turnaround, uh, my Sherpa was out there and I did ask him, uh, you know, what place I was in and was kind of curious about that. And then, uh, actually Steve Jackson's wife was a little bit past, um, him and, uh, she was on top of it. So actually I was going by him the first time, uh, he didn't know what place I was in. So I said, all right, get me on the, the way back. Um, when I head back out for the second lap. And, uh, so he did do that, but, um, uh, Steve's wife knew what was going on and she gave me a quick update. And, uh, apparently at that point, so coming into the turnaround, I was, I think less than a minute behind first in my age group. And, um, I think the, I'm not sure who uh, who it was at that point. I think that that person slowed down pretty significantly and didn't end up in second for the race. Um, but uh, um, passed by that person, and um, yeah, it was pretty humbling and surprising. Um, so Steve Jackson, you know, he what did he he swam? Uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Steve swam. Uh, 52.20 and then biked 4.29 um, just a total badass that uh, is super strong and um, he uh, he he started to fade a bit on the run and at the turnaround I was um, I think less than a half a mile away from him and uh, that was really the first time when I was like holy crap uh, yeah call it you were so I'm looking at there's like a timeline of yeah Based off of where the timing mats were. Oh, that's right. Looking so the starting yeah. starting the run, you were twenty four minutes down. Twenty yep. twenty four minutes. Yeah, twenty four thirty nine. Yeah, that makes sense. That is amazing. So and, and you were in. I was. Uh, shoot, I should have had this ready, but um, tenth. Tenth off the bike. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
I think it was I think it was actually higher than that. I want to say twelfth or fourteenth. Or actually no twelfth. Twelfth. And then okay. by mile point like starting the run, you were tenth. So you passed okay. a few guys. A people in people in transition. transition. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um so yeah, so but twenty four uh, minutes. Yeah. That's so, I mean, those that, are kind of gaps that I'm usually facing and I don't know. You just have to have the confidence like what you have and you've kind of taught me that. It's like Yeah. If well, you have the run legs, you can make up so much ground on the run. Big time, and and I mean it's it's something where you know, and I didn't even know that, and I don't want to know that. You know, yeah. like I think that that is going to just have a a negative impact on you. Like you know, if I you know was going for the win, and I'm like, you're telling me I'm 24 minutes down right now, I'd I'd, I'd assume I'm yeah, out. Yeah, I don't want right? to hear that. Yeah, you know, so it's. Um, but knowing that you're running fast and you're not right, you know, dead on the run, you control. I mean, control yeah, you have the you confidence control, yeah. right that's your pace and what you're doing and you know yeah as you get to the second half really i'd argue mile 18 to 20 is really when you want to legitimately start thinking about where you are place wise if you are really thinking about a kona slot or something um but uh just do your thing and yeah. you know and as i always say you know you know and i think it's a the mentality is reverse in the sport everyone is all concerned with their bike times and Oh yeah, I'm first off the bike. Well, who cares? Because yeah, I mean, I would much rather be, you know, flying past first people and catching line, people. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and yeah, it's not a bike race. I mean, right? Um, no doubt. I mean, you know, you got to play to your strength, and, yeah. and you got to recognize what is your strength and things. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, and so when I passed Steve, I still I knew he was struggling. I had no idea that I was uh, that he was still um, first amateur at that point. And so, uh, um, you know, I just kind of kept it in check and, um, <laughs> I did start thinking about slowing down a little bit. Cause I was like looking, I did have, you know, the total time I watched and actually I didn't look at the total time until I was on the way back on the second out and back, um, to really start like thinking about where officially sub nine was going to be. But I did calculate out. I was like, all right, I could run eight minute miles for the next few miles and I could still <laughs> still do it. But uh, I decided to just uh, just keep it going. Well, it's um, good that you did, because I mean, looking at so mile 21 is like kind of officially when you virtually caught okay. um, that guy. Yep, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, but yeah, you know, from there, it was just. Uh, just cruising on in and trying to, uh, to stay, you know, keeping that cadence up and, uh, um, was very excited heading into the, the finishing shoot. Uh, although that was probably the longest finishing shoot I've ever been in. Um, and it just kept going, it weaved around a ton. And then, uh, it was, uh, um, I actually, I, I still did want to run under three hours and uh for a second i was like oh crap i'm not sure i'm gonna make it <laughs> um but uh was uh just uh absolutely ecstatic um as i i crossed the line and uh heard that i was the uh the top age grouper um but most importantly uh finished in uh 85301 um so uh broke that nine hour barrier nice and ran 257 yeah, close to 258, right? 258. Yeah, yeah, it had a 257 in it. You ran a 257. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a PR for your marathon, or did you run faster at uh, – where was No, it? actually, uh, I think that was almost very similar to what I ran in Louisville. I'd have to yeah. look it up. Um, but, no, but um, Tremblant last year was 255, I think, or two – yeah, 255 and some change, I think. So, uh, so no, it wasn't a, a PR um, – and I don't feel like I, um, you know, I, I feel like I did work harder in Tremblant um, and pushed the envelope a little bit more there towards the end. Whereas even, um, you know, at the, the end of this one, I still like my heart rate was in the low, low 160. I guess it got up to 165 for the last couple of miles, but uh, um, I usually am pushing higher than that um, for that last half. So, um not that it didn't hurt, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, it yeah. Was, and I uh, mean, people say short. like there, there are flatter courses than others, but I mean, it's still hurts just as much. Yeah. If no, anything, no. I feel like it hurts more because I mean, I, I've done Arizona with you and it's, I don't know, just being in that 
time trial position for 112 oh, totally. miles. I mean, that's and not really getting the any kind of breaks at all. I mean, that's I feel like that's in a lot of ways tougher than a hilly course like Big time. Canada. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly right. You know, that not being able to vary your position and actually uh that is one thing I I did forget to to say uh I don't know if I need to adjust my bike fit, but uh I was moving around a ton in my saddle during during the bike and uh I just couldn't get comfortable and uh my sit bones are probably the sorest thing on me after the race now and like I was ended up like riding on one side of the seat, other side of the seat and like coming forward and uh um I'll spare the details, but things uh, down below aren't uh, 100% here yet, to say the least. Uh, definitely got some chafing and some challenges that uh, occurred uh, from from the effort here. So, uh, um, you know, and part of that is, you know, you're not getting upright all you. Uh, and But I, I did still, knowing all that, you know, I refused to get out of the arrow position. And I was in the arrow position, you know, with the exception of those two, a uh, couple small climbs, you know, it was arrow position all the time. So, um, that's what you got to do. So, I mean, comparing, so since we've both done Arizona and comparing, I don't know, the quickness of the two courses, I mean, which course would you say is, is faster? And I, I, I mean, I guess both of them do have wind in them. So, I mean, it's, oh, yeah. yeah, I think it, I, I think they're very similar. Um, you know, Arizona, I think has, I mean, there was a couple you know, it wasn't like it was literally just pancake flat. Like it, it came up a few times, you know, there's some different gradients a little yeah. bit, you know, kind of like Arizona does where it has that kind of, um, a little bit steadier there climb towards the turnaround. Right. Um, but, uh, um, I don't know. It felt like there was just some really great stretches, which you can get in Arizona too. Um, where just, you had that nice headwind and our tailwind, excuse me. And you were just cranking, um, I do kind of like how Arizona is set up with the, the three loops um, and it can get you a little bit more strategic with how you're dialing things in, I think can help from a pacing perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as opposed to the one loop where, um, you know, not really knowing where you're going and stuff was maybe a little bit more challenging. Uh, but also, you know, another nice benefit is that you didn't have to worry about any lap riders and things like that too, yeah. where you, you do have to start worrying about that in Arizona. So um, I think they both, uh, I, I would definitely categorize them very similarly. Um, but, uh, I'd probably take the Florida course, I guess, if I had to. That run just seems so <clears throat> runner friendly. If you just like zoning out or zoning in and just dialing in a certain pace and not having to worry about, I mean, hardly anything. I mean, it looks, right? looks looking at the, your map. I mean, it just looks like. I mean, there's literally no turns. Uh, well, actually, no, it's, you know what? That is kind of deceiving there. If I'm looking at the, uh, um, there, there is turns on it. It was actually kind of funky um, where like you, uh, I think it's, uh, sorry, here, I should know better. Um, there's one point where you kind of turn off to stay on the coast and then you, there's actually like four or five. Actually, yeah, turns. okay, I do see that. I zoomed up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so you're not like on the same like straight road the entire time. There no, are you're not. Yeah. And then so, like so. the end before the turnaround is a little bit strange where like you you weave around like kind of S curve and then do like a quick out and back and uh <laughs> I like how they uh, they tried to add just extra distance by just making those little yeah, <laughs> random little like the one, the part where I think it's like that turnaround where you have to go into the parking lot a little bit. Well, right. And that's, I think that one, yeah, right down towards the end. That's, yeah. uh, that was one of the aid stations too. Oh, okay. Um, so you went in there and yeah, it kind of felt like you were looping, which was strange. Um, <laughs> but, um, but no, yeah, it was, it was good. And, and also, yeah, let's, let's talk uh, spectators. Like on the run, it felt like a normal race. Um, you know, there was, quite a bit uh of spectators out there and um some great support out there and um you know uh, especially outdoors like that and spread out that far i think it was totally safe and fine to do but uh it was it was great to have some spectators out there and um you know there was absolutely no one at the finish line and i think that was part of the reason that the the finish line was tucked so far back away so that they could make sure that there were no spectators 
um, you know, there uh, at the finisher shoot. But um, it was outside of that, it felt totally normal on the run. Um, and, you know, again, not ideal with the aid stations where you had to grab the stuff yourself, but uh, that's can certainly deal with that. And uh, if that's our biggest problem, uh, uh, I think we're in really good shape. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, so uh, um, some real bucket list uh, achievements. There are some big benchmarks and goals accomplished here with uh, the sub nine and uh, being the first uh, non-professional was uh, just true, uh, true icing on the cake that uh, I'm still uh, riding real high from here. So now you can rec- retire, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah uh it's definitely been been discussed that's for sure um we'll see here um so they didn't they didn't do an awards ceremony um because of covid so um they are going to be sending out the awards and then um there is a virtual kona slot allocation here that's supposed to happen today um supposed to be getting an email about that um but uh i still uh still haven't seen anything i don't believe here so are you gonna pull the trigger so i still have not decided fully here but uh (laughs) what i i believe i'm gonna do is i am gonna probably pull the trigger on it and have the slot but uh i really can't can't decide whether i'm gonna follow through on it i mean it's just uh very honored and uh um you know absolutely love going to that race and uh would uh hate to you know don't want to miss up the turn the opportunity to be totally honest um but uh i got to make sure it's what's best for my family and um you know it may not be so um but yeah so and i'm also just not in the best financial situation you know i've been hit pretty hard by covid here and uh both of my my businesses are are struggling pretty heavily so um you know if if things bounce back that could really help as well um yeah. but uh um but yeah i i do think i am uh probably going to going to pull the trigger but uh i uh will not say that i'm definitely racing it yeah well i mean the entry is expensive i mean it's probably like a thousand dollars right the trip itself i mean that's way more than exactly yeah anything so i i think i'd probably do the same thing it's just hard because that race isn't going to happen for another year so right exactly (laughs) a lot can change you know a lot can happen um so we'll see you know i'm definitely uh thankful to uh to have the opportunity and you know um Maybe it would have been easier if I went under nine hours and didn't get a slot. Um, but uh, um, with the slot here, it's it's hard to pass up. Yeah, so just talking about that goal that you had, and I mean, we're coaches of other athletes. I mean, do you recommend having time goals for people? I mean, I, I always kind of refrain from if someone tells me, oh, they want to break 10 hours. I'm like, ah, right. I just – there's so many other variables and it's that yep. doesn't really define like if you're successful or not, but I totally understand like we've been in the sport forever and we do. Ha- I mean, I have that goal of doing right. that one day. So, I mean, that's definitely on my list to do. Yeah. What, do, what you know, are your thoughts about that? Exactly. I mean, I think you just have to be honest with yourself, you know, and you have to realize what the conditions bring on that day. And so, you know, you have to recognize all right. You know, that is, I, I think it's okay to have that as a goal, but you got to be willing to adapt and, you know, respect the fact that if the conditions are terrible and, you know, you, um, you just don't get that they're going to affect it, you know, and, uh, at, whether it's a hilly course or a flat course, uh, but certainly in Florida, especially that those winds have a huge impact, you know, yeah. and, uh, so it could have went, you know, I think the, the winds overall were pretty favorable. Again, there was a choppier swim than I think they've had in the past. So that didn't do me any favors, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's just kind of why I don't like time goals. Like even right. Boston qualifying, it's like, right. All right, you don't get your time goal and you kind of, you're in the middle of your race and you're not on pace. Are you just going to give up? And I, I think a lot of people do because right. that was the only thing on their minds. And 
I don't know. I like to remind people that you did Santa Rosa. You had that goal and you didn't, you didn't achieve it, but you didn't quit and you still gave it a good effort. So, I mean, it's, it wasn't like your first attempt to break nine hours. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I felt, I felt pretty good about it heading into the race. You know, I knew it was within reach. I mean, doing 906 last year on a much hillier course in Tremblant, I knew it's it's within possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, but I, I also feel like, you know, if that's really something you want to do, like you got to figure out what, what motivates you. And, um, you know, that's what can make the difference. You know, if you don't yeah. set that goal, then, you know, it's maybe it's not going to happen, you know. And, well, uh, and especially in the format that we're – probably going to be racing for the foreseeable future it's like it's not really i mean only people that truly get to race each other are the pros Pros. because they all start at the same time so in in a lot of ways it kind of does give you motivation because you do have like a time goal of all right this is kind of what i need to achieve my goal and it doesn't really matter who's around me right no exactly right yeah but it's uh it's been uh really uh an awesome few days that uh definitely i i will say i'm not one that uh i like to to set goals and achieve them but i like to look to the next one probably too soon after i should and uh you know i've been reflecting a little bit and you know um you know i was very happy i remember ironman arizona with you for the original you know i did 1040 and was really happy with that and you know i kind of dreamed of someday going under 10 hours and now, you know, to be able to go under nine hours is, uh, is pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not to toot my own. No, I mean, just, uh, it's, just uh, to kind of go through our journey. I mean, we've made incredible progress, but we've also worked our ass off too. So. Right. Exactly. But I mean, you know, back at that point, you know, if you ever told me I would have went under nine hours in a Ironman, I <laughs> wouldn't have thought that yeah. was really possible. We had Brian yeah. Dunn clowning on us every day. that's right that's right right. so uh so it's your turn buddy yeah well i got a bunch of races next year so (laughs) yeah plenty of opportunities and yeah we'll be busy racing next year i hope so i hope so yeah um i think so and you know that is the the biggest takeaway for people if they're interested about you know what it was like um I truly believe that we, you know, the Ironman and, and just triathlon in general is figure out a way that we can do this safely. And, um, you know, I think that even if nothing changes with what's going on with COVID and everything, that we should be able to race in large quantities next year, you know, and, and um, with large amounts of people, if we're able to respect what uh, the rules are and things. So mm-hmm. um, I sure hope that that falls through and that we really start uh, getting back to, uh, we'll call it the, at least the new normal of, you know, mask wearing, um, pre-race and things, but, uh, still being able to race. Yeah. I mean, I just hear it in the sound of your voice too. I mean, it, racing just makes people happier. And if, I don't know, it's just this whole year kind of sucked because I do my best to stay motivated and positive, but when you get something taken away from you that you love, it's just not the same. And it's, it's hard. I mean, I did a virtual sure. race this, past with 30 people and i was like so happy because i'm like oh my god i get to finally somewhat go through like a race simulation again and i haven't done that in like nine months so (laughs) (laughs) and you crushed it right let's talk about that real quick what'd you do yeah 118 118 yeah yeah buddy so did you get to pick whatever course you wanted to do no so it was like a actual course but they said okay um the director is like show up between 6 and 8 30 no one's starting together i'll time you guys but here's the start line the course is marked but you're all on your own so um <laughs> it was very low-key but it still kind of put me in uh this is different than a trainer run i guess so and i wanted to just kind of test because i really haven't really done anything for nine months other than yeah those well, virtual that's, a, things on. that's a half marathon pr right yeah yeah, yeah. nice so uh, excited yeah. for races to resume because i think i've i've made some progress this year i just haven't really uh got to to, uh, it. Yeah. Right. yeah yeah 
Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, very cool. Are you what? Uh, anything else the rest of the season here, or what? Nah, everything's just shut down still here. So yeah, I just yeah. I think I'm just gonna wait till next year. I mean, I, I I looked at my schedule for next year. I'm like, all right, well, we're gonna be plenty busy as long as races resume. So I'll right. <laughs> I'll just save all my marbles for 2021. Yeah. No, I think that's smart. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, that was a long one here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably cut it here. Um, well, thanks so much everybody for listening. I hope that was helpful and, uh, um, that it's encouraging for, uh, for future races to come here. Yep. And congrats again, champ. <laughs> Thank you very much. Looking forward to, uh, keeping it going here for next season. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody. Take care.